Today is Tuesday, August 9th, and we're taking things one day at a time here on the Outside the Oval podcast, the newest running experience on the internet. And today on Outside the Oval, I will break down my recent team and individual rankings for the men entering the 2022 cross-country season, while also discussing some major news that has recently happened uh, in the distance community as of late, including Stanford's recent heist of Newberry Park and what this means for the NCAA's most forgotten runner, Thomas Boyden. After that, we'll be joined by a few members of the Youngstown State men's cross-country team, and they'll sit down with me briefly to discuss their upcoming season and the dynamic culture surrounding the Youngstown State distance program. All this and a whole lot more today on Outside the Oval. And as always, I will not keep you right waiting, and we're going to jump right into it. Uh, this week, I made two posts on the Outside the Oval social media account with my rankings for the upcoming cross-country season. I ranked the top five individuals and teams in the NCAA for both men and women, while also highlighting five other teams and individuals who I felt like just missed a cut of, uh, of the top five. And today we're going to focus specifically on the men's side, and hopefully we're going to have a podcast coming out on Friday, uh, dishing out some of the women's rankings as well. Uh, last week, I made the bold claim, though. Um, Oklahoma State, they've got to be the team to beat. And I, I'm going to die on that hill until they prove me wrong. And they're ready to roll. This team, I'm not going to go too far in depth because I did do it last episode with Luke. I did go into detail about this Oklahoma State team. But again, I love the depth this team has. I see five, maybe even six or seven guys who are legitimate All-American caliber runners. And you combine that with the fact that they're in a slower regional and they'll be racing on their home course at Nationals with a lot fresher legs than a lot of the field. Um, They're going to be well-rested. It's hard for me to find any other reason to not pick the Pokes to win it all this year. So we're going to continue rolling with Oklahoma State. They're my number one. And coming in after, Stanford is number two. And again, we'll hit on this team in depth later in today's episode. But this is another team that's getting a lot of traction from people within the sport. They definitely have the best one, two, three punch in the NCAA and are very capable uh, number four, which again is another topic we're going to really focus on today. Uh, but in Nationals, do I see them beating NAU? I think that's the biggest question. I was on a run with a friend recently, and he was like, can this team beat NAU? Because we know how NAU races at Nationals. We know they're going to be ready come race day in Stillwater in November. And I honestly, I'm not too sure. Um, I think NAU has a lot of questions to answer themselves. Of course, there's Nico Young and Drew Bosley, a bona fide one-two punch to go along with Stanford's. But really, the depth is, the depth is not there. For right now, Stanford is my two, so I do think they're capable of beating NAU at the national championship meet. But there's definitely some question marks I have for both teams. I do like Stanford's top five, the three-headed monster Thomas Boyden and Liam Anderson, who, again, NXN champion. Um, they have a plenty good, plenty of a good roster, but it's a matter of can they beat NAU, the kind of the ghost of NAU. We know how... They turn it on when it matters most. We know they're going to find depth in ways we're not expecting. With that being said, behind Nico Bion and Drew Bosley, as an NAU team, has Brody Hastings. He looks to be the number three entering the season. I think he's more than capable of earning All-American honors this season. But I find NAU's depth situation, as I mentioned, a little scary. I do bring in Colin Solomon from high school, who I'm sure many are expecting to do great things. And... I'm not going to say I don't think he's going to be a great runner in the future, but it's a lot to ask of a true freshman to be that guy, to step up and 
be the next Nico Young. That's a lot to ask of a true freshman, no, no matter how fast he is. Uh, with that being said, there is Theo Quay, who looks to be holding down the back end of the top five. And George Quaish, who may have a year eligibility. And earlier today, I kind of confirmed uh, George Quaish will be coming back for NAU this season. So that team still looks pretty good. Looks like they're rock-loaded, uh, solid top six from the looks of it. But I'm still underwhelmed by the looks of this team in comparison to years past. Um, losing Abby Habman nerd definitely did not help Coach Smith and company, but I'm not one to doubt Coach Smith. Uh, I do believe this team is going to come around and be one of the top three teams at season's end. I just do not believe this team this year is the year of the Lumberjacks, and I do think they're going to come up just short of another national championship this season. But behind the power three teams in 2022, there is a lot of intrigue at number four and number five. I went with Tulsa and BYU to fill out the top five, and I really like the, what these two teams have going for themselves this year. Tulsa, they bring back a very talented top three of Michael Power, Scott Beattie, and Cormac Dalton, while BYU brings back Casey Cleaner and Brandon Garnickia, while also bringing in Weber State All-American Christian Allen, who will use his, his last year of eligibility in Provo, Utah. This is a move that really went under the radar, and until I kind of familiarized myself with this upcoming team's roster, I kind of forgot that he made the move from Weber State. This is a big move for Birmingham Young. I can't like understate that enough. Christian Allen really elevate, elevates this team from a contender to a team that could definitely win a national championship. And when I was making these rankings, I knew Christian Allen was going to be there. But over the last five days, I've really thought about it. And I think BYU has a shot to really interrupt this top three between NAU, Stanford, and Oklahoma State. I do think they could play um, kind of spoiler. And even though I did rank them fifth, I think there's a lot to like with them this year. I think this team has a chance to sneak into the top three. Um, like I mentioned, this one, two, three punch is really good, but they, they are more than that. Aiden Troutner returns this season following his first cross country season last year. And I think he's one of those runners ready to take a massive leap into stardom in 2022. And that gives this team a very solid top four. And I would argue behind Oklahoma State and Stanford, nobody else has a comparable top four. I would say Casey Cleaner's just as good as a runner as Nico Young. Brandon Garnecchia's pretty comparable to Drew Bosley. Christian Allen's better than Brody Hasty. Um, he's really better, I would argue, than Drew Bosley at times. Pretty comparable. Uh, this BYU team is ready to go. Um, very excited to see who that number five is this year. And I think they're going to have a great chance of bouncing back from that seventh place finish in 2021. So behind the top five, Colorado, Texas, Harvard, Portland, Wake Forest, and Arkansas are the six other teams I considered uh, filling the top five with, but really they did not match up with the other top five. Um, but they're all deserving of a top ten placement for sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of these six teams make a play for a top five finish at Nationals in Stillwater this season, but they're not there yet. There's a lot to like about a lot of these teams. I love Texas's youth. Colorado has a lot of heavy hitters, even though they're missing a few of their guys from last season. Harvard's got a pretty potent top three. Portland has a great team, just atmosphere. Wake Forest has Aaron Las Ferreras and Zach Faccone. And Arkansas's Arkansas. They're going to do their thing. A lot to like from this group of six, but they're not ready to move into the top six this just yet. Um, but real quickly, on the individual sides of things, 
I kind of surprised some people. I put Cole Sprout number one, and I'm going to try, at least for a YouTube video's sake, to have like a graphic right here, or maybe a graphic right there. Um, but Cole Sprout's my number one. This is a very unpopular pick, I'm sure, for many who, who did see these rankings. Um, but I think Sprout is capable of making that final jump that he needs to really make that leap into stardom, really become the guy in the NCAA in 2022. And I mentioned in my last episode, so if you haven't already listened to that, it's available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and YouTube. Um, please go check it out. But Sprout possesses every qual- quality you want in a championship contender. And he's my, obviously my preseason pick to take home the Golden Stillwater. Um, mentioned it in episode se- 7 with Luke, or episode 6, excuse me. Uh, please do go take a look at that. Very interesting to see um, the Cole Sprout progression. And I kind of go in depth with Luke on that. Behind him, I have Charles Hicks uh, from Stanford. And they use Nico Young at 3. Rocky Tops, Dylan Jacobs at 4. And Oklahoma State's Alex Mayer rounding out the top 5. A lot of these guys are, in my opinion, safe assumptions to finish as All-Americans this year, which is really what I'm looking at for a preseason top five. Uh, so I'll go into detail my women's on Friday or next Tuesday's episode. But I like to really focus on a, a safe top five. Now, obviously, Cole Sprout, Oklahoma State being my number one, not the safest picks. I do like to make a statement at number one if I do believe something wholeheartedly like I do with Oklahoma State. I'm very close to convincing myself with Cole Sprout. But after that, I really like to fill out my top 10, top 5 with people and teams I know are going to be there at the end. I don't really want to make too many rash judgments or predictions without really having a sample size. It's August 9th. So plenty to be seen as of now. Um, But I mentioned this before, the season's wide open. The individual title is up for grabs, and the race to become the best distance runner in the nation is going to be exciting to say the least, now that Abdi Hamid Nur is gone. Um, just after Mayer, Drew Bosley comes up just short of that top five. And uh, with that being said, I love Drew Bosley's upside in 2022. He's put together a heck of a career in Flagstaff so far. And from what I've seen, he could really be one of those guys to take over some races this year. And I could really, really see him making that leap ahead of his teammate Nico Young and become the new NAU number one this season, maybe as soon as September. Um, That's something I'll be looking forward to seeing as the season progresses. Um, Behind Bosley, Stanford's Kai Robinson comes in with BYU's Casey Cleaner, Wake Forest's Zach Faconi, and Villanova's Haftu Strenzodos. Excuse me again if I'm butchering that name. Really looking forward to learning it as this year progresses. Um... But that list should show you just how competitive and how many contenders we have in the NCAA entering this cross-country season. It's really exciting to see how the sport is growing, how competitive it is, and I'm really looking forward to Stillwater in 2022. But looking ahead, even beyond 2022, I mentioned there was a little bit of news we had to go over. Some big news, the biggest news of the week, came out of Newberry Park, California just the other day. Lex and Leo Yun, the brothers of Nico Yun, both announced their commitment to Stanford University, essentially forming a super team with Cole Sprout, Charles Hicks, and Kyra Robinson. Now, I think this is significant for a few reasons. One, Stanford is going to be a powerhouse for the next several years. That's a safe assumption to make. Um, But I feel like this has a little bit of underneath meaning right now. And this is probably something that not a lot of people are thinking about. But the way I interpreted this move, 
I feel like it was only a matter of time before these top runners figured out that we have the power and the influence to form these powerful super teams. As long as the school you desire and you want to attend is willing to make these financial commitments. And obviously this is something Stanford, they realize they can do. This is going to be the new normal in NCAA college running. Um, Hicks, Sprout, Robinson, assuming they all stay for one more year, teaming up with the young twins is huge news. This is a super team, whether you like it or not. That is what the twin brothers, the Young's twins, uh, commitment means to the sport. And I would not be surprised if this was it. I think very soon, this is going to become very prominent in our sport. We've already seen it, uh, or at least the beginnings of it, uh, in Tennessee and what they're doing with Coach Carlson, who's really given a king's ransom to come into Knoxville and become the coach of the distance program that's not promised any scholarships. At least that's the rumor right now. This Tennessee team has not promised any distance runners any scholarships. The way they're going to be funding this team is through the NIL. Um, with that being said, we know the University of Tennessee is known for their unbelievable alumni network, and I don't want to cross any roads I'm not supposed to or shouldn't, but this NIL process is going to be very powerful, and the rumor is, like I mentioned, that this Tennessee team is going to be funded by NIL money and that's it. And I truly think that's going to work, especially in college cross country, more so than any other sport maybe in the NCAA. And I think Tennessee is going to become a distance power in the next two to three years. I mean, they've already nabbed Dylan Jacobs, huge name. But not only that, they nabbed Yassine Abdullah, a rising sophomore in cross country for the University of Texas, excuse me, who was an All-American as a freshman in 2021. The NIL recruiting tactic has already become the norm in football. And in the next two to three years, we're going to see it take a huge leap in college cross country. So I don't want to cross any boundaries I shouldn't. I don't want to say anything that's not true, might not become true, or kind of like scares off uh, boosters. But I really do think NIL is going to make a huge, become a huge deal in the NCAA, um, more so than just football. And... I really do. Th and in fact, it's already started because Nate Kalowick just announced, I just got the alert. Uh, he's moving to Tennessee. Um, so he'll be grad transferring from NC State. We're already seeing kids um, make these impromptu decisions to say, hey, look, we're going to make the jump now instead of waiting. Uh, we're going to go compete right now for an opportunity for a national championship. So now we have Dylan Jacobs, Yassin Abdullah, Carl Thiessen, and now um, Nate Holloway joining forces in Tennessee. So that's a pretty big update in the middle of an episode. That's pretty cool. Um, but as I was saying, that's something we're going to have to get used to. And we're truly going to have to find out um, what athletic programs care about their track and field programs and how they feel about them very, very soon. I'm very excited to see how NIL takes over college cross country and track and field. And I think it's going to be a very impactful way or that we introduce it to the sport as has as it's been shown but bringing things back to stanford for one last moment before we take a quick break i want to feature the man who's most easily forgotten with this whole super team thing his name is thomas boyden um thomas went 23 38 in the covid cross-country season uh, he missed a lot of time between the fall cross-country and spring outdoor season in 2022, yet he still has an impressive personal best of 13.37 in the 5K and 28.44 to go along with his 8K time. So to put it simply, Thomas Boyden should not be forgotten. 
He is far from an afterthought, and he's going to continue to be a top five runner on Stanford's team, despite the Young's twins' commitment. I see a world where Boyden surpasses one of his current three teammates before I foresee a world where he is not inside Stanford's top five for the foreseeable future. Maybe I'm overhyping the former Foot Locker and Brooks PR finalist, but I really don't think I am. Uh, Thomas Boyden is going to shock some people this cross-country season. And for those of you still interested in my FXC league, I do believe that, uh, in fact, I just took him in the sixth round, love the selection, and I do believe that Thomas Boyden is going to be an All-American in some sort of way, whether that's on the cross-country course or the track in 2022. But with that being said, uh, after all the rankings, all the super team, all the NIL talk, we're going to take a short, very brief break. And for you, it's I'm going to be back in just a few seconds. But please stick around because next I will be joined by Youngstown State's men's cross-country team. And we'll be right back on Outside the Open. And as if we never left, we're back for another segment on today's episode of Outside the Oval. And I'm pleased to be joined by a few members of the Youngstown State men's cross-country team. Now, some would probably argue otherwise, but I would make the claim that Youngstown State is one of the best distance schools, or at least on track to be one of the best, in the state of Ohio for the foreseeable future. I love what these guys have going on up in Northeast Ohio, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the US YSU boys build on uh, with all this positive momentum as of late. And real quickly, let me introduce you the two members of the team we have joining me today. First, we have Ryan Meadows, a graduate from Taze Valley High School in Ohio. He's an 822 3K, a 1435 5K, and a 2021 Horizon League 5K champion. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. I'm looking forward to getting to talk some. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, next, we have Hunter Christopher. He's joining the show. He's an 815 3K runner, 1419 5K runner. And he is the YSU 5K school record holder. Hunter, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. And all two of you, or both of you guys, have one pretty cool accolade on your resumes fairly early in your careers. And I'm sure, uh, considering all the positive momentum surrounding your distance program right now, I can't imagine that each of your resumes are not growing significantly more glamorous in the coming years. Really excited to follow along and see how you guys do up in Youngstown in the coming years. Uh, but we'll get things started real quickly by briefly talking about some more recent things. Uh, first things first, you guys took a trip to Flagstaff this summer, and from the looks of it, it seemed like not only did you guys have a great time, a lot of fun, but you clicked off a lot of mileage at a very high altitude and got that sever- ever so important and sleep at 7,000 feet above sea level. What was that whole experience like for you guys being a team in Flagstaff? Um, I guess I can start. Um, it was, I mean, it was definitely a real experience. I'm glad we took the trip. Um, the first week was oh, pretty rough. Not going to lie. A lot of the runs, I was just like, dude, this, this stinks. Like this even worth it. But then I'd say after about a week, we kind of got adjusted and you just, you got used to the feeling that the runs were probably going to not feel the best. I wouldn't say you got used to feeling like crap, but you just kind of expected it. And the couple of runs a week where you felt good, you definitely appreciated it. Um, but it was it was just really cool to be out there with Hunter and Chase and get the opportunity to train at altitude because, you know, it's kind of what everybody wants to do. But most of the time you don't get the opportunity. So 
we had the opportunity and we took advantage of it. Like probably beginning of track season, he like talked to us. He was like, "Hey, like want to come out to Flagstaff? We can like put it together." And like I was on board right away. But that's like something that is like so hard to put together and get people to commit to that we didn't expect it to happen. But um, I remember the morning like we left, it was like crazy. Like we're actually gonna go out to you know Flagstaff and do something that like almost every like collegiate distance runner that would like love to do. Um, and yeah, just like the drive out there to getting out there. I remember we uh, arrived in Flagstaff and I went and ran like immediately. And I, I can really tell a difference until like four days in is when everyone said it hits you. But I had a lot of trouble like sleeping the first week. And um, I'd say I adjusted like pretty well, except for like the sleeping. But the, the running um, didn't really get to me as much as I thought. But yeah, it was definitely a super cool experience. And hopefully we get to go again next year. Yeah, I think. Oh, for sure. Yes, that I, I, the most by far out of yeah. the three of us, about how bad. But sorry, mm-hmm. I got through. the time. The time change was like so different. Like it was be like eight o'clock, and we'd all be like getting ready to go to bed. Um, that was something like totally different. Um, that even like towards the end of the trip, you know, that's something that like never changed. It was still like early in the evening, and we were all like exhausted. But I mean, it was. It was you wake up, you run, you lift, you sleep, and then you, like, run again. You know, we were putting in, like, eighty upper 80s to, like, 90 miles a week. So we definitely got super fit out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what Flagstaff's all about, uh, just getting out there with the guys, having a good time, running a lot, and it uh, looked like a lot of fun. And it's pretty cool to hear. Obviously, you didn't know that you guys drove out there. So that's a whole other experience, getting to go out, just kind of road trip, make a few stops at pretty cool places. Um, definitely something I'd like to do. Some of the guys on my team have definitely discussed doing it and uh, seeing how much fun you guys had definitely inspired uh, me to kind of be like, oh, hey guys, we probably need to put this together sooner rather than later. Um, but now that we're coming off the heels of the trip to Flagstaff and the cross-country season nears, you guys have a lot of talent returning this season. And from an outsider's perspective, it looks like you guys are well positioned to not only improve upon your 15th place finish at the Great Lakes Regionals from a year ago, but to also knock on the door of IUPUI, uh, who's your top competition in the Horizon League. So with that being said, what's the schedule looking like in 2022? and What goals do you guys have in mind as far as the team goes? Um, yeah, I think most of us, I think we have Penn State early season on the schedule, but I think most of are the top guys will open up um, either all Ohio or at Boston. And then I think after that, we're going to Notre Dame and then Penn State again, and then conference and regionals. So get some big meets on the schedule again. I know we want to improve upon that second place finish at uh, conference last year. The IEPY, who's very, very good. We have a lot of respect for them. Um, but yeah, they'll obviously be people we're trying to look to be at the conference and regional level. And I think last year we had two or three guys out with um, some injuries at regionals. So to even get 15th with um, not everybody on the line was a pretty good accomplishment, I'd say. But hopefully top 10 this year at regionals would be pretty big. And I know we have a lot of young guys, too, coming in. So I think they can make to look an impact, look to make an impact. And I think we can have a really special season because I know everybody's really fit right now for August. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the region. I wasn't uh, able to race last year. I got sick um, right after conference. But I think we are going to open up at Boston. 
maybe Ohio, which would be cool either way. But when we go to Boston, we'll see like a bunch of ACC schools and um, maybe some Big Ten, but a lot of good competition there. And then Notre Dame, hopefully we'll get in the blue race, which will be another huge opportunity. And then Penn State, which was a, a cool one last year. And then, you know, conference, which is always one of our main focuses. And then leading in the regionals, which we hope to, you know, have a season best. I mean, a, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a program best finish and hopefully like top 10. So it's like a, definitely a big year for our cross team. We just need to keep everyone healthy, which I'm sure is about every team's issue. So... Yeah, you guys uh, look like you have a pretty solid squad coming back, uh, like I mentioned. And it's really fun racing with you guys. I remember uh, we went up to Joe Pine from Kennesaw uh, last year, saw Ryan, saw Chase uh, at the meet. And that was pretty cool. We stayed in the same hotel, which is pretty ironic. But, um, yeah, your schedule sounds great. Uh, very, very much looking forward to seeing how you guys perform there. I'm always kind of jealous that, all you guys, all the Ohio guys get to kind of race each other once a year at the all Ohio meet. Um, just kind of get to come together, race each other one, one more time past high school. Um, kind of, like I said, kind of jealous of that. But uh, one thing kind of aside from the Ohio thing that you guys specifically do well at Youngstown State has been identifying that Ohio, they something about the state of Ohio and high school distance runners as Dustin Horter said a few weeks ago on the show, uh, two weeks ago, actually, the state of Ohio, quote, has got a lot of tough grinders. Um, we know how to stu get stuff done. And you guys at Youngstown seem to grasp that ideology the best. Um, and you even call yourself Grit City USA, which I love the nickname. How much does that special culture uh, that you've cultivated, how much would you say that contributes to your team's success? Oh, sorry, you Five seconds. Me? You want me to go? Yeah. Um, for me, that was something that, like, really got my attention, like, the recruiting process was, like, the, like, city of grit and, like, that's, like, what the team goes by. Just, like, how, like, I envisioned my, like, collegiate career was just, like, even in high school, I was always, I was never, like, the super talented one. I was always someone that, like, worked really hard and tried to, like, do all the things right. And um, just, like, I think, like, you get better with doing hard stuff, like, by yourself and just... I think that, um, you know, Youngstown being, like, Grit City, Grit City Quins, that, like, it really, like, hit home. Um, so that was, like, a huge thing um, recruiting-wise. And just, like, I mean, I think, like, a lot of the stuff we do is hard. And I think it just, like, really embodies, like, our team and culture. So I don't think we could have, like, a better saying or mantra for, like, our team besides that. So, yeah, I mean, on my visit, I was hearing the term Grit City. And throughout the recruitment process, I heard a lot of the guys saying that, and I saw it on their social medias and didn't really understand what it meant. But the second you step on campus and just get to practice with everybody, you kind of embody it and you recognize what it means uh, really quick. Basically, just a lot of grinders on the team who just want to work hard for all the same goal. But I think Grit City definitely um, is the appropriate term to describe our team and just Youngstown as a whole. Yeah, like I've mentioned already this episode, I love the term Grit City. I think it's a perfect perfect embodiment of really the state of Ohio. But when you take the kind of runners Jonestown State has, and I kind of compare a lot of you guys, we're kind of similar in high school to me. Um, Hunter hit on it perfectly. We're, I never felt like I was the most talented runner, so I always had to do things outside of practice to kind of make myself a better runner and compete with runners like you who I raced pretty often in high school. Um, so 
that really resonates with me, and I love hearing the perspectives that you guys had on it. And uh, real quickly, I'd like to ask you each something individually. Ryan, we can start with you. To set the scene real quickly, it's your freshman year. You arrive on campus and don't get to do any racing until your freshman indoor season because of COVID. Yet you still go out there and drop a crazy amount of time off from your high school 5K PR. You end up winning the Horizon League Championship in the event. I remember when I saw the results come in, I was like, holy cow, I can't believe he won Horizon League. That's awesome. And uh, so walk me through that freshman season and the race where you won your first Horizon League yeah, Championship. So when I got onto campus in the fall, I think other people can realize too that I was not really in shape. I had a rough summer coming into freshman year and just my fall semester was really tough. I got hurt two times, was out for multiple weeks, and I was just like, man, I hope the spring is not like this. So when we came back to school in the second semester in January, I was healthy, got into pretty good shape, ran a good uh, couple indoor track races, and then had some momentum heading into Horizon League, and I was just... I was thinking all oh, top eight would be pretty cool as a freshman. Like I did never even in a million years would thought I have a chance to win. And, you know, it was a really slow race and everybody, it was probably 11, 12, 13 guys there with a mile to go. And I was like, well, shoot, I'm in like fourth place. And then slowly people just started dropping off and we came around with 400 to go. And I was like, well, I'm in second. I might as well go try and win this thing. And I knew with like a lap to go. I was like, oh, I'm feeling good. There's, there's no way I'm going to get beat. So that was kind of how that went. And I was, for 10 minutes, I was just like, what the heck just happened? Like, did I really just win? And I think um, it was just a really cool moment and kind of just showed that you just put your head down and get to work and good things can come. And it was really cool because everybody on the team couldn't have been happier for me. And I would have been feeling the same way if anybody else on our team would have won. It was just a really cool day and a good way to kick off um, – a good four or five years at Youngstown. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love hearing the story. I remember seeing that last like 200 or 300 meter kick. I was like, man, he's got, he's got, as people are now saying, he's got that dog in him almost. <laughs> and it was pretty cool to see that kick. And, uh, as a freshman, you were someone that I always kind of compared myself to in high school. I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta be like him. So you were definitely a big motivation for me getting down to the 1450s that year um, as well in the outdoor season. Um, so with that being said, Hunter, on the flip side, for you it seems like Rally Relays in North Carolina has really become a special place for you. Uh, freshman year, you take the trip down there and break 15 for the first time, demolishing your PR by 27 seconds to run a 1436. And then this past season, you go down there again, you break this uh, Youngstown State School record in the 5K running a 1419. Uh, so what have those two experiences at the Rally Relays been like for you? And what really makes Rally such a special place in the last week in the March? I think even before I, like, got to Rally, it was just one of those cool races where, like, visiting college, that was, like, where everyone to go fast on the East Coast. I mean, that was almost like the that was, like, the Stanford invitation of the East Coast. So that was, like, one of the meetings that I was looking forward to. Um... And I think what we're running like 14 through like 4K, and then about like 1200 left. I just took off. Um, I think I started running like five, really well. To I mean, I think the more special moment instead of us running super quick was that we went like two, like three, four. You know, like all like it went uh, Ryan, me. so that was just like super cool. 
Um, before that, it was like 14, it was like guys running like 15 flat, and that was like a big moment. But, um, and then coming down the next year, um, there was, a, I guess there was like a little pressure from last year, you know, running so well, and then like uh, having a successful indoor season to run fast. Um, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't thinking about the school record, like for that meet. And then um, kind of like came together. Um, I was in the sixth section, so that was one that was like started to be broadcast. So I knew like those tons of guys. So I just kinda, like popped on the back and closed really well again and dipped under that. So that was super cool. Oh yeah, now the Raleigh relays is a very special meet. It's always a meet that we want to go to. I'm um, hoping I get the opportunity to do it because we're not that far down here in Kennesaw, Georgia. Um, but it's pretty cool to, that you guys get to travel all the way from Youngstown all the way down to Raleigh. And speaking of long journeys, everyone's had a long journey. And I know the two of you have had some as well. And even your teammate Chase, I mean, he had to transfer from Akron because they cut the cross-country program. Um, Ryan and Hunter, I remember racing you two fairly, fairly often in high school, especially that junior year of high school. So I know you guys have come a long way as well. Um, and it's really cool to see that you all ended up at the same place. But I do like to hear this side of everyone's story. Before we got to Youngstown, was there any other place or school that you considered going to before you chose Youngstown State? Uh, Hunter, we can start oh, with you. Oh, so Kemp, it, my uh, final three, and then I kind of like added one to it, was it was the United States Naval Academy. I took a visit there. I was there for a week. Um, I took two visits to Temple, which was um, probably like the number one at the time. Um, YSU, and then towards the end of my like uh, recruiting process, date was gonna. I was gonna um, go there, but um, Coach Corby and Coach Group did such a good job that um, I like decided to stay home almost and go to. On state, and I couldn't have made better for myself. So, yeah. How about um, you, Ryan? I had down to a final three schools, and I was I was a prisoner at the moment. Where every visit I took, I was like, "Oh, I'm coming here. I'm going there." So, I say my final three schools. Obviously, Youngstown. Uh, I was very big on Akron, and then I really loved my Otterbein visit. I I thought I was like, "Oh, I'm going here," and then I visited Akron. Oh, I'm going here. And then when I visited Youngstown, I got home that night, and I was like, all right, I, I don't think I'm actually just saying this. I think I actually want to go here. And it was like two days after my visit, I called Coach Corby, and I was like, I, I know this is where I want to be. And like like Hunter said, it was easily the best decision ever. The last two years have been so much fun. Even when running has kind of sucked or I've struggled, it's still just fun to be with the guys and definitely couldn't have picked a better place. Yeah, that's how it was for me as well. Um, I was always like, this place not only has to be a good running program, but it's also got to feel like home because at the end of the day, I'm going to be spending four or five years here just being a college student, being a kid, learning learning the ropes of life by myself. So um, very happy to hear that you guys found a place where you guys did consider home, somewhere you do have a lot of fun at, and now are very happy that you're reaping the rewards of finding the place that fit you best. Um, and it's really awesome just hearing how much you guys love Youngstown State as a whole. The culture you guys' as distance team has cultivated is awesome. And as you guys already know, distance running is a beautiful sport and art, if you will. Um, so much more than running and hard work go into it. And you guys have seemed to figure it all out and all the other parts that are required to really succeed in the sport. So I give you props for that. 
And uh, But one last thing before we part from today's show. I gave you guys some time to prepare for this before we started. I want to give everyone a fair chance at this. Um, very competitive uh, person. So I want to hear what you guys have to think. I'm going to tally everyone that comes on the show, their results. And uh, if you had to predict, as of the day, who would win the Division One cross-country team and individual titles, who are you taking and why? Um, Ryan, we can start with you. So I've always been a big Charles Hicks guy, and he's came up oh so close very many times. So individual, I, I would say Nico Young, but I'm a big Charles Hicks guy. So I'm going to say Charles Hicks. And then I guess it's hard to not say NAU for the team title. So I'll say NAU, but in two years, I know it's a weird prediction, but I'll say Stanford with uh, Nico's little brothers going there in two years. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, for sure. I think those are two very solid picks. And I really like that you picked Tennessee um, because Tennessee, I feel like as of uh, five days ago when I posted my rankings, I did not have Tennessee in my top 11, top 10. However, after today's acquisition, like you mentioned, Ohio boy Nate Callowick yeah. making the move to Tennessee, which is super exciting. Um, I think Tennessee is right in the thick of it. They have Dylan Jacobs, Yassine Abdullah, who's All-American last year. Um, they also have Nate Kalowick and Carl Thiessen. That's a very good top four. I definitely think they're going to be contending for a top ten. And uh, earlier today, we're posting this podcast tomorrow, which is going to be August 9th. Um, so as of today, uh, recording this, I kind of posted a little bit about Kalowick and, like Ryan mentioned, uh, Leo and Lexus' commitment. Kind of had, I feel like they have a little bit to do with each other. I also go in depth earlier in this podcast, so you guys will have to stick around and listen to that. Um, but there's a lot of intrigue with Tennessee this year, a lot of intrigue yeah. with Stanford this year moving forward as well. Um, great insight, really, though, from you guys for your picks. I really am excited to see how those pan out. And uh, we're going to find out, and I'm going to definitely uh, not going to expose you if you're wrong, but uh, regardless, we're going to post the, uh, what your picks at the end of the season to see how close you guys got. Well, with that being said, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to join me and really enjoyed having you guys on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, am I the first one to pick Tennessee? I feel yes, like everyone, you are. Everyone's going to hop on the bandwagon in like two weeks when you like everyone on. Tennessee's going to like rise to the number one pick. So make sure you like shout me out in end of what, November, when Tennessee's holding that trophy wherever NCAAs is at this year. So. Yeah, when they uh, come in second to Oklahoma State, uh, I'll definitely give you a shout-out for being the first one on the Tennessee bandwagon. But with that being said, it's still pretty uh, – I like that you did pick Tennessee. You kind of added some variety, just not going with the – not the knock Ryan, yeah. but not going with the usual NAU or um, I hope Stanford the OSU picks. boys do well because we saw them in flag quite a bit. Where did we oh, yeah. like, Where? I'm on A1 one day, and then I think uh, – I'm at Woody one day woody mountains so yeah good for i hope they uh win it yeah that'd be a good pick too yeah for sure and uh thank you all for listening today and i'll catch you guys next time on outside the oval